Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. I'd like it if you would get your Bibles open to the book of Psalm chapter number 40. Psalm 46 verse 10. Today I'm going to ask that you get ready to write some scriptures down because I have a lot of scriptures I want to share with you today uh, because there have just been wave after wave of tumult in 2020. Uh, Over the past eight months, it's just like never anything I've never seen before, nothing I've ever seen before because it just continues coming in waves. Typically, there's one thing or maybe two, but this has continued, not just in our national lives or the lives of people in the world, but in personal lives and in homes. I mean, there's COVID and the fear of COVID. There's struggling businesses. There's family fractures. There's political unrest. There's racial unrest. There's economic unrest. And this is tumult like I've never seen before. Now, this is no surprise to God. This is nothing new to him, but it's something we're going to talk about today. The question has been, since we first started talking about this quite a while back, what are we going to do? Are we going to hunker down? Are we going to hide out? Are we going to give up our faith? In fact, one thing that is happening, some believers are beginning to give up their faith. I'm hearing these stories of people saying they're giving up on God, and I'm challenging you, don't you dare go there. This is not the time to give up your faith or give up on God, because if you look at the circumstances around you, and that dictates whether you love God or not, uh-uh. You don't understand the gospel, so I'm going to give the gospel here to you today, all right? So, today's message is entitled, Soul Strategy During Tumult. Soul Strategy During Tumult. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind and your emotion and your will. It's your thoughts, it's your emotions, it's your actions. And spiritual battle is always fought in the soul. That's really where it's fought. Tumult? You may not know what that is, but you've probably heard it, but but it just means confusion or disorder. It means an uproar or agitation or turmoil or disturbance, commotion. And that's what we've just been feeling all around us. Our nation is at a crossroads, and I believe the church is as well. This is nothing new. I've been preaching about this for several months now. But there is zero doubt in my mind that God is up to something big and that God is in control. He is. First of all, let's just go ahead and deal with the elephant in the room. I'm, not, I'm talking about donkeys and elephants here for just a second, but I want us to consider this election. If there really is widespread election fraud, as is alleged, this could potentially be the biggest scandal in the history of the United States. I don't know because I don't know. But if so, who wouldn't want the truth to come out? I'll tell you this, I believe strongly that the next few weeks will be the most tumultuous that we've seen all year. I don't say that to scare you, I say that to prepare your heart, but it's going to be all right. Here, the deal is is that every single time there is tumult, something tumultuous is happening in the scriptures, God always tells his people some basic things. Don't be afraid. Stop your negative top. Don't lean into anger. Stop your anxiety. Pray, seek God, and be calm in your soul, and then God will work a miracle. And that goes for everything that's been going on. Moses at the Red Sea. 
Pharaoh and his army is coming to get the children of Israel. Oh no, they're coming to get us. This is all terrible. Moses is standing there going, God, you didn't tell me what to do next. And God just said, okay, well just stretch out your hands you know, over, the, over the water. I don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden the water parts, they go through. A miracle. But here's what Moses said before the miracle happened. And God, he didn't even know what the miracle was. He said, stand still and watch the salvation of God. Now, I can imagine Moses was saying that, going, okay, I'm saying you what I'm supposed to say, God, but I don't know how this is going to work out. Stand still and see the salvation of God. Bam, that's when God worked the miracle. Jehoshaphat, the Moabites and the Ammonites were coming to invade and take over, and it was looked bleak. It looked like their nation was gone. And they began to pray and see God and the prophet stood up and said, it's going to be okay. The battle is in the Lord's hands. And so what Jehoshaphat did said, well, since this is the Lord's battle, he put praise and worship singers and play people who played instruments out in front of the army. And he sent them out to go to fight the battle and they did and then as they began to worship and praise the Lord sent ambushes against the enemy God worked a miracle but they didn't know how it was going to work out Jesus in the sinking boat all the disciples were saying this is terrible we're going to drown Jesus don't you care don't you care Jesus don't you care why did you do this to us some of you have been doing that recently stop it (laughs) because Jesus woke up and said where is your faith oh my word He didn't say my word, but I I think he was thinking that. So he spoke his word. Peace, be still, calm down. And he's like, dudes. (laughs) I think that's what God's saying to us right now. You in your home, your family, your business, in this nation, in this city. Whatever your situation is, go to Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. Take a look at it. This is good. This is good. These first two words are good. Be still. Say that with me. Be still and know that I am what? He's God. I will be exalted above the nations. He'll be exalted above South Africa. He'll be exalted above Israel. He'll be exalted above Russia. He'll be exalted above the United States of America. He'll even be exalted above Canada. All right, now that's awesome. Over and over and over in the scriptures, we see this this pattern where God says, be still and no, no, get into your mind that I am God. I will be exalted. God wins case closed in your situation. So the strategy for tumult right now is this. First of all, it is to be still. Refuse, absolutely refuse to let tumult determine your state of being. Stop being stressed out. Stop making tumult your God because God is God, not what's going on around you. And get your soul uh, strategy in a new direction where you're going to reject the tumult that's controlling you. Because if the tumult, the shaking, the instability is controlling you, then that's your God. See, Paul was a guy who was familiar with tumult. <laughs> he knew about it really well. I mean, in fact, he dealt with some stuff that would have brought that really brought him to a breaking point. Second uh, Corinthians chapter one verse eight. You're gonna look this up. You need to, to read this. He said, "We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered." He says, "We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life." But 
this happened, look at this, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but rely on God. You see, Paul's tumult taught him, you're going to have to rely on God. And that's what God is saying to us right now as well, because tumult comes to teach us faith. You, because faith is not what you see. Faith is not what's on the news. Faith is not what, what you feel around you. No, faith is believing in what you cannot see and what is not playing right out in front of you. I mean, if everything was perfect in life, if it was picture perfect and you just, oh, everything's fine, you know, wouldn't that be wonderful? You would have no need for God. You would have no need for faith. But God set this up, just like Paul said, so that we would have need for God. That's part of our soul strategy because without a soul strategy, anxiety and fear and worry, shame and suspicion and guilt and depression and frustration and anger, that kind of stuff's going to begin to rule you. So today, do not give up on your faith during the season of tumult. It's not time to give up the faith. It's time to go up in your faith. At the same time, it's okay to be real with your emotions, but give them to God. There is a right way to process your emotions. It's yes, it's good, but give them to God. And you give them to God trusting that everything is in control. Psalm chapter 68, verse 62, verse 8 says this. It says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. Trust, pour out your heart. That is a command from God. Trust him, but pour out your heart at the same time. The, the word heart in the Hebrew language is, is the term uh, labav, which, which means it's the literal center of your being. It is your soul. It is your mind and your emotions. It's your will. It's your passion. It's your soul. What he's saying here is unload your soul struggles onto God. He's not going to be shocked Pour it out from the very center of your being to him, but at the same time, know this, get this in your mind, get this in your head, that that your trust is going to be in him. Trust is your foundation. Trust in God is your foundation. And then just release it all to God. In Psalm chapter 31, verse 22, King David He wrote these words when everything seemed to be falling apart. I love it. King David wrote all of this passionate stuff about what he was going through, and then he made everybody at church sing about it. Isn't that interesting? I've read that before. And and, uh, when you read the Psalms that way, you're like, yeah, David wrote this and told them to sing it. So, but look at this. I love this because he's so vulnerable and had everybody singing this. Psalm 31, verse 22, he said, in my alarm, or let's just say in my tumult, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Like, God, you don't even see me anymore. Do you even care? King David actually said that. Do you know there's a quote there? It's like, God, I'm just cut off from your sight. You you don't even know I'm here anymore. (laughs) So now, as you're feeling the way you're feeling, now you can know you're okay. (laughs) David was there before. But he was crying out to God. He was pouring it out to God, you see? And it says then, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called you for help. So the tumult that you're facing in your business or in your home or with COVID or the economy or with politics, cry out to God because that's going to actually begin to boost your faith. Guys, show up at the throne of God. Show up at the throne of God. 
In our nation, I believe there, is, there are likely some, not likely, there are some very dicey days ahead. Let's just be, let's be honest. How many of you are old enough to remember clearly the election of the year 2000? It wasn't until December 13th that they had decided who the president-elect would be, which was actually, I think, a day or two before the Electoral College actually met. Why? Because there were lawsuits, there were miscounts, and all of that kind of stuff. Remember hanging chads? Okay, that's what the, the, the thing we remember. But there were all these, all these lawsuits, all of this stuff that was going on. That's exactly where we are right now, except it's like the year 2000 election times 10. And so please understand that what you see in the media of the media calling an election, that's been done before. It's been done before. So you don't know. You don't know. But you leave it into the hands of God. And we keep praying, guys. He's like, well, are you saying that, that my candidate is wrong or my, your candidate is right? I'm not saying, I'm just saying you need to be praying. Do you love your nation? You need to be praying for your nation because this electoral system is hanging in the balance yet again 20 years later, except it's magnified significantly. Pray, pray. You want to know how to pray? I'll give you some tools to pray. <clears throat> it doesn't matter who your candidate is, who your candidate was, because <laughs> at this point it's a was, okay? It doesn't matter anymore about that. What you do is you begin to pray for the nation and pray for the, the right things to come to the surface. Every Christian should be praying this right now. Here's what we need to pray. Is we need to pray that God will expose and hold those accountable who practice the things God hates. It's really simple. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, we have the list of the seven things God hates. So we need to pray that whoever is working wherever that if they're doing the things God hates, let it be exposed in Jesus' name, even if it's your favorite candidate. I'm all for that. You guys hear me? I'm all for that because I want God. Here it are. Here they are. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed the blood of the innocent, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community and in the nation. <laughs> you get it? Can you guys pray that those who are doing such things, they will be exposed and their works will be exposed and called out? These are, anyone who does this kind of stuff, scripture says they are perpetrators of evil. Pray that their efforts will be thwarted, whoever or wherever it is. Can you guys pray that way? Are you guys willing? Do you have the guts to pray? No, I'm serious. Do you guys have the guts to pray? Like, what if if I'm praying and my favorite candidate gets... Pray. Because the truth is, God is going to be on the throne eventually, and I want him to intervene in my nation right now. Here's, here's another thing you need to do. You need to pray that, uh, that all of the wickedness that's intended to do what the devil does, steal, kill, and destroy. I teach about that all the time. Wherever you see theft, death, and destruction, you know that there are problems there. That's the work of hell, okay? So wherever there's, there's Satan is working to steal, kill, and destroy in our electoral process in our nation, we need to pray that God will reveal these deep and hidden things. Like in, uh, it talks about this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 22. And we need to pray that God will bring to light deceit, deception, 
misrepresentation and every illegal act that is intended to follow Satan's strategy to steal, to kill, and destroy. John 10, 10. Let me be candid with you. Mopiness and grumpiness. (laughs) That don't move the hand of God. It doesn't. I, I, I declared this last August and into September. We're in, in a new season right now for the next several months, and it's a season where we're going to regroup and reposition. We're going to plow deep. We're going to lay foundation. Now is the time to begin operating in the spirit as never before. That's what next Sunday night is all about. In fact, I, my theme for that is in the spirit because I, I'm wanting to see the gifts of the spirit rise up in the body of Christ so that you have that discernment. Holy Spirit shows you something. You can't see it in the natural, but you see it in the spirit realm. You can lay hands on sick people, and they're going to recover. That's going to change things all around. I I am expecting, not just myself, but I'm I'm hearing many prophets across our nation saying there's a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit ahead, so don't let tumult tank you. In fact, that's a good one right there. Don't let tumult tank you. We're family. And so we need soul strategy during this tumult. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 gives us good strategy. It says carry each other's burdens. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Well, it's the great commandment which says love God with all your heart and love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. Who's your neighbor? Look at people all around you. Yeah. And think of the people that you may not even like who's across the room. That's your neighbor. Okay. Your neighbor is the people you brush up against with on your cultural street day in and day out. Those are your neighbors. Love them the same way God loves you and the way you love yourself. That's how we begin to carry each other's burdens. It's a heart change. That means Democrats, you need to start loving some Republicans. Oh, Republicans, you need to start loving some Democrats. Nobody cheered when I said Democrats love the Republicans. I'll try that again. Democrats, you need to start loving some Republicans. Republicans, you need to start loving some Democrats. Stop this nonsense. And when it's in the body of, I, I expect it in the world, but when I see it in the body of Christ, I'm like, oh my word. Like, what in the world is going on? Do, have we forgotten the gospel? What we've been saved from? Fulfill the law of Christ and love your neighbor people who even disagree with you the same way you love yourself. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 11 says, encourage one another and build each other up. Never underestimate the power of your encouraging words because what that does when you begin to speak words of encouragement, it's the Holy Spirit that you are carrying in you and that Holy Spirit begins to come out and it and it brings peace and comfort and edification. It brings strength to others. You want to see God move, you need to start speaking words of life to other people around you because God moves out of you and blesses them. That's how God moves. I just want God to move. Start talking blessing to other people. That's how God moves out of you to someone else. (laughs) That's a crazy thought, but it does work. It's actually in the Bible. Also, You know, the scriptures tell us we should receive encouragement from Jesus himself as well as God the Father. I love this because we see the full trinity here, the Holy Spirit who works through us and we receive encouragement from the Holy Spirit, uh, from Jesus himself and from God the Father. Allow them to minister. Look at this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says this, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself 
and God our Father who loved us and by his eternal grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Eternal encouragement and good hope. Where do I go for encouragement? Because nobody's gonna encourage me. Well, nobody's willing to release the Holy Spirit around you, into you. They, they don't want God to move. Well, you know, that's their deal. But you can still go to the Father. You can go to Jesus and they are going to give you eternal encouragement and good hope. And it goes on to say, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. You need some strength. You go to the Father. You go to Jesus. And you hang out with brothers and sisters who are going to let that Holy Spirit move out of them into you. It's Thanksgiving season in our culture, and I love it. I was cooped up all week, and I mean, cooped up this week too, for the most part. But, but uh, I came out on Friday, and I was coming to the office, and I noticed like, Wait, trees are starting to change. I, I hadn't noticed. I hadn't noticed at all. And if you haven't noticed, that's because you live in the city and you're just not looking. You're looking at the concrete, okay? Quit looking at the buildings and the lights and all that. But the trees are starting to change. Like, well, I can't just sit in my office. And so I, I went out to the park and I just enjoyed the presence of God. I just, that, that Thanksgiving spirit started giving over. I, you know, the, the changing leaves, it just kind of ignites that in your spirit. I love it. And I just decided for our church, we're going to move into this Thanksgiving and Christmas season and we're going to celebrate heartily in spite of tumult. Do you hear me? Why? Because our foundation is Jesus Christ. And I... I'm just stinking determined. This church, let us have a spirit of thanksgiving next Sunday. Next Sunday, let the spirit of thanksgiving erupt in here. I know it's not Thanksgiving Day yet, but we're not having church on that day. But on the 15th, we'll have Sunday morning church, Sunday night, city life night. It's hard for the house day. Just mark that day out to just to be in the presence of God. And because I'm believing that God's going to empower people with a new level of his Holy Spirit next week, and that thanksgiving is going to set a lot of people free. And there's nothing that's going to stop us from celebrating the Lord's birth with, with enthusiasm. I love Christmas. We're going to celebrate it good around here. I, I told the team, I said, I want children up on this platform every Sunday. I want them talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. I don't want you guys watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer back there. I want you talking about Jesus. Now, you can watch Rudolph at home. I like Rudolph, okay. But but. I want you guys, the culture is is not going to teach our children about Christ. In fact, in a lot of homes, it's not going to to be talking about how Christmas is about Christ. If you're not doing that in your home, well, this is the year to change. But this church will. Why? Because we're not going to let our children leave this place not knowing why Christmas is Christmas. We're going to let them know it's all about Jesus. I want this church to be filled with mighty warriors who are not going to allow tumult to overtake them. Are you guys ready to refocus on Jesus? Come on. King of kings, you know, in our language, president of presidents. Isn't that what we want? Right? Again, if, you're, if your focus is tumult, all you're going to see is pain and hurt and my feelings and, oh, it's a, you know, turn on the news. Oh, no, yeah, oh, yes, oh, no. And, and, and you know, stress and anxiety and fear and your focus is going to get narrower and narrower. Your hope's going to dwindle and your faith's going to die. Don't let that happen. Now is not the time to do that. Get your focus off the storm and back on the Lord. 
That's one of the reasons why worship is so important. That's why being in church is so important, especially during the time of tumult. Scriptures tell us, I've shared this with you several times, when as you see the day approaching, do, please do make sure that you are getting together and assembling with one another and worshiping with one another and hearing the word with one another because we need it now more than ever. If you get your focus back on Jesus, things change. Remember the story of Jonah? Talk about a guy who dealt with some tumult. <laughs> he was all stressed out about the assignment God had given him, go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. It's like those, those people in Nineveh, they kill people. That's the capital of the Assyrian Empire. I'm not going there. I mean, I've heard, uh, history even tells us they had some of the most bizarre torture techniques of any nation that's ever existed. And so what did he do? God, you know, he's just like, God, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I heard that, la, la, la. So he got in a ship and he went in the opposite direction. And what happened? You guys know, the storm came, tumult. He was swallowed by a big fish, double tumult right there. You talk about a guy who was literally swallowed by tumult, that, yeah, that, that's Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. And we like to make fun of Jonah because he did the wrong things, but he's the only prophet who saw a revival that brought an entire city to its knees. That full city revival happened. Everyone in the city came, came to God as a result of him obeying, eventually obeying God. No other, no other prophet could even began to accomplish that. But he was a guy who was swallowed by tumult. He got lost in it. But when he was in the belly of the big fish, when things looked the most bleak, what did Jonah do? Took a deep breath. I've always wondered how much oxygen was in there, but I've heard stories that somehow that does happen in some of these fish. But Jonah, it says God created the fish, so who knows? They could have been oxygen tanks in there. I don't know. I'm not here to try to figure that out. It says God created a big fish. So for all of you skeptics, God, God can create what he wants. All right, so... Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. This is good. This is good, guys. This is good. Jonah said, When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. You you can read through it. He began to worship the Lord. He gave thanks to God. And in the midst of that, hope was restored. And everything turned around. God wants to restore hope to you during your time of tumult. Hope in the Lord. What, is hope, what does hope mean? Hope is just like, well, I hope something good's going to happen. Actually, hope in the Lord means something a little different. Here's, what it, here's how it's defined. Hope in the Lord means you're going to hold on to God. You're going to call on God. You're going to search for God. See, hope is active. You're going to trust God. You're going to hold out with confident expectation. You're going to commit to an unwillingness to give up. It means you are literally chained up to hope. You are a prisoner to hope. You can't get free from hope. It is the continual belief that the best is yet to come. That, my friend, is hope. Hope is the basis of faith. Go for some hope. Some of you feel like it's just all over, maybe with your marriage or with an illness or a relationship. And What are you going to do? Well, you need to do the same thing Jonah did. He let his thoughts go to the Lord and began to worship God in the middle of the darkness 
See, when we focus on the tumult that's going on around us, we get what I call the chicken little complex. Anybody y'all know the chicken little complex? Well, that's chicken little where like every, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, oh no, everything's bad. And what, what was it like? Uh, something from a tree hit little chicken little in the head. That was a story we used to read as kids. I don't think they let children read those stories anymore because a chicken got hurt. But... Uh, <laughs> Chicken Little was all sad because, oh no, boom, something hit him in the head. The sky is falling. The world is collapsing. Oh no. But some of you right now, you're just like, all my friends have left me. There's no hope for America. Why does everything bad happen to me? Woe is me. Why can't this sickness go away? Why can't I ever see success? And what you do is you, you catastrophize. That's a new word. Everything that's going on around you. And then you, that, I just want to tell you, you need to stop exaggerating. Stop it. Just Stop it. (laughs) Word from God today for some of you is stop it. (laughs) Remember Elijah? He had just had this huge spiritual event. I mean, the nation had been like in this horrible drought. I mean, there was no rain for three years. People were starving to death because of the idolatry in the land. And then God sent this revival. I mean, Elijah prayed and fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifices and the idols. The, the, uh, the priests of Baal were executed and, and, and a three-year drought was ended and it began to rain and began to pour. But somebody in the big castle the big palace, Jezebel, didn't like it. And so she said, I'm just going to go ahead and kill that guy. See, she didn't care about things getting better. She just didn't, she just didn't like her agenda being taken away. I'm just going to go ahead and kill that guy. And so Elijah goes running out in the wilderness and he says, oh God, I'm the only one left. Nobody else worships God but me. I'm the only one left in all the world. (laughs) Sometimes you're feeling like that. I'm the only one. What's wrong? What's what's wrong? What's wrong? God God said, stop it. There are 7,000 other people who haven't even begun to serve Baal. Oh, and they're actually right here in Israel, not considering where other places. So get yourself up and go back into the battle. Stop giving in to the God of your tumult. Refuse to give up. Keep going on. The Apostle Paul, he had right soul strategy. I mean, this man... He, he's, my, he's my New Testament hero because he went through so much stuff and he kept his heart right. He kept changing the world. And when you read his story as it's interspersed throughout the New Testament, it, if you really read his story right, it will make you reconsider why you would ever give in to tumult. See, because he adopted this I refuse to give in attitude. I want to read to you a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. These are excerpts from it, and I want to read it to you from the message version because I like the way it just is brought to life from this translation. It says, since God has so generously let us in on what he's doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into some occasional hard times. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. Are you getting this? It says we've been spiritually terrorized, 
pulpit, God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken up. We haven't broken. So we're not giving up. In fact, how could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, this is the key, where God is making new life and he's doing that in you, come on, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Let me keep reading. (laughs) This is these hard times that you're going through, that you're going through, that you're going through, they are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. Begin to get that eternal mindset. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see by faith will last forever. See, faith is your sole strategy during tumult. No wonder the Bible makes such a big deal about gratitude. And God's word tells us this. God's word expects us, listen to this, instructs us to give praise and thanksgiving to God for everything, Ephesians 5.20. We're supposed to give praise and thanksgiving to God in all circumstances, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. We're supposed to give praise and thanksgiving with all of our hearts, Psalm 9.1. We're supposed to give praise and thanksgiving with our words, Psalm 9.1. We're supposed to give it with singing and with joy, Psalm 95 and all the rest of the Psalms. See, thankfulness and gratitude, it's going to bring health to your body. It's going to bring health to your soul and your relationships. And it's going to ignite that hope. It's going to ignite that faith. Start thanking God. Start being grateful. The Bible says that giving thanks, just to be quite frank with you, giving thanks is God's will. Some of you would say, I just wish I knew what God's will was. The scripture says, God's will for you is this. Let's take a look at it. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in a few circumstances when things are going your way. No, I just read that wrong. That's why I always ask you to have your own Bibles and take notes here. Because if I read it wrong, you're supposed to call me on it. And I've sometimes read scriptures wrong. People call me on it. I always appreciate it. So call me. I say, that's wrong. That's wrong. Okay, good. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes, you know, you're supposed to say amen. And other times you're like, that's wrong. So that's, that's wrong. I like feedback, you know. God, listen to this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. In all, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. And that's not a mistranslation. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Gratitude is God's will for you and you and you and you and you in Christ Jesus. Gratitude, it's not really, it's not really an emotion. It's not something that you necessarily feel. It's an action that you take by faith. It's a soul strategy. I'm asking you to engage that today. First of all, I'd like for everyone in this room just to lock yourself in with God because I want to offer the opportunity to receive salvation if you don't know Jesus. Before I go on any further, before we 
begin to, because we're going to practice this here in just a second, but before we go on any further, if you're not a follower of Christ and there's sin in your heart and you're not serving God and you know you're not, if Jesus were to come today or, or if you were to, to, your life were to pass today, as soon as you leave this place, you don't know about your eternity, now is the time to get it right with God. And if that's the case with you, I'm going to ask you to simply make the response to say, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you in my life. You're going to get to talk to Jesus himself. He's going to hear you. He's going to answer you. He'll forgive your sins. He'll make it as if you have never sinned before. That's a miracle right there, my friend. Just with everyone locked in, listening to the Holy Spirit, if that's you, you say, Pastor, I just don't know about my eternity and I want to be sure before I leave this place. Would you just lift your hand for me? Because I want to, I want to pray for you. I want to pray a prayer of faith for you. So lift your hand so that I can see it in this room. Thank you. Now let's pray. Everyone in this room, pray this prayer with me. Pray it at home as well. In doing so, your sins will be forgiven if you mean this from the bottom of your heart. Congregation, pray this as encouragement for others. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. I give my life to you. I'm sorry for what I've done, but I'm making a change today. I'm going to begin to serve you. I choose you, Jesus. I choose life eternal. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.